All right, well, open your Bibles and uh, flip to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And that's where we're going to start today. We're going to end up in several places, one being Exodus. We're going to spend some time there and even into Numbers. But we're going to start in 1 Corinthians 10, uh, a book written by the uh, Apostle Paul. And uh, we're going to get some instruction for today. Um, before we jump in to our, our sermon today, I just want to take a moment and pray uh, over our time in the Word. So let's pray together. Father, I just thank you for these moments we're allowed to share in your Word um, wherever we're watching. I just pray that you would speak to us through your Word by your Spirit, God. Help me to get out of the way and you just speak through me today, God. Use me for your glory and uh, allow us to receive something from you, from your word. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, last week, we, um, we talked about how we can maintain joy in the midst of our trials. How right now we're kind of all experiencing a, a very common trial. And in the midst of this trial, how can we still have joy in the Lord? And um, today, though, I want to talk about what it is that threatens that joy? What is something in the trial that can threaten that joy? Namely, murmuring. What is, what's murmuring? Murmuring is like grumbling, uh, complaining, uh, a negative attitude, okay? And so our attitude can really kill our joy and really what God wants to do in our life. I was looking up... Um, some funny complaints. You know, we love to complain, and um, there's always some humorous complaints. And uh, I found this one. It's a guy who ordered pizza from Domino's. He says this. He commented and uh, wrote Domino's and said, Yo, I ordered a pizza, and it came with no toppings on it or anything, just bread. And Domino's responded and was like, Oh, we're so sorry. Um, connect with your local store to, to get some help. And then he said, Never mind. I opened the pizza upside down. <laughs> Like sometimes we're so quick to complain that, that really our complaint isn't even a complaint. It's something we did wrong ourselves. That's kind of funny. Um, hey, I want to I issue a disclaimer at the beginning of this sermon um, as we're about to talk about complaining. Is, is that um, this sermon is not inspired by any of you, okay? Um, you, you know, as people, we complain to other people. And so if you've complained to me, that's okay. If you've complained to me, I'm sorry, this is not, I didn't write this sermon for you or inspired by you, and so please don't think that in any way. Um, this sermon is inspired by my own conviction, okay? These are things that I've been wrestling with, that I've been dealing with, that God put on my heart, and I've just seen in Scripture that really could apply to a lot of us in this season, and um, I've just found myself complaining a lot lately. Right now, I'm not. A, I don't think of myself as a super negative person, and I'm not over like grumbling about everything in life. But, or maybe I do. I don't know. Maybe you could tell me, help me see myself more clearly. But, but I have caught myself complaining about things, and it seems like, um, like, you know, the other day I ordered something and it showed up really late 
and just complaining. Where's that package that I ordered? It's supposed to be here. I need it. Where is it at? And it's like you start complaining about it. And then for a minute, you got to realize um, I clicked a button on my phone and there's going to be a human being that takes that item and brings it to my doorstep. Like, what do I have to complain about? We live in such an amazing world. What am I complaining about? And then ultimately, when the guy arrived, the um, delivery guy arrived at like 9 o'clock in the evening. And I'm like, man, what are you still doing? And he still had 30 more deliveries that night, and he's working from sunup to sundown. I have nothing to complain about, but it just seems like it's so easy to complain. Do you ever complain? Do you ever complain? It's, it's, it seems like we like to lead with complaints, isn't it? Like people say, uh, how are you? And it's like the first thing you think of is all the bad things that are happening to you. It's like, oh, let me tell you how I'm just making it, right? And this is going wrong and that person wronged me. That's why bad news spreads 10 times faster than good news. That's why bad reviews get read more than good reviews. You ever go read reviews and you're like, I want to click to the bad ones because I want to see what's the worst thing that happened to this product. That's why, um, that's why someone can do 10 kind things for you, but you'll only remember the one thing they did that disappointed you, right? It's just negativity spreads so fast. And before we know it, we can be all wrapped up and tied up in complaining and grumbling. And, um, but the problem is that complaining only brings harm into our lives. I mean, it harms our relationships. Our relationships suffer for it. No one likes to be around a chronic complainer. If every time you're around, you're always grumbling and complaining about something, people are going to want to stop hanging out with you. So it ruins relationships, and, and, and then your, your soul suffers. Like it, it sucks the joy out of you, the life out of you, the, the uh, happiness out of you. It just makes you a negative person. And so the only thing that complaining and grumbling does in our life is destroys things. So why do we do it? And, and what does the Bible have to say about this issue? And so that's what brings us to our text today, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. We're going to look at verse uh, 6 through uh, 11 and touch into verse 14. He says this, um, the context here is he's kind of using uh, the Israelites who wandered in the wilderness after they were freed from Egypt. You, you know the story of the Red Sea coming across the Red Sea and they were in the wilderness on the way to the promised land. He kind of uses that, what they did, as an example to us. And so here's what he says. 1 Corinthians 10, 10. I mean, sorry, uh, 10.6. He says, Now these things took place as examples for us that we not, might not desire evil as they did. Do not be idolaters as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. We must not indulge in sexual immorality as some of them did. And 23,000 fell in a single day. We must not put Christ to the test, as some of them did, and were destroyed by serpents. Nor, here's, here's kind of our key verse, nor grumble, as some of them did, and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now, 
these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the age has come. And then he kind of wraps it up in verse 14 where he says, Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. Flee from idolatry. So he says, let us not grumble because their grumbling caused them to be destroyed. What does grumbling mean? What is grumble? Um, The Old Testament word is murmur. It meant um, several things, but it means grumbling, complaining, murmuring. Grumbling means like a low uh, growl. You know, it's kind of like the, the, the word um, is what it sounds like, like grumble. Grrr. It's the idea of a, a lion uh, who has this low growl, you know. And so the idea is that, um, is that you're, you know, why and you just kind of growl about things. You grumble, you're mumbling and grumbling and complaining. It's kind of fun to do that, right? So maybe you should do that. Wherever you are watching right now with family, it's kind of fun. Y'all just do this together. Just go, you know, just kind of growl and grumble and grumble, 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 grumble. Isn't that fun, right? Um, all right, we'll keep going. Complaining. So grumbling is kind of this low, almost internal thing. Uh, complaining is vocalizing that uh, dissatisfaction, uh, that grumble. And so in in 1 Corinthians, he is using uh, Israel in the wilderness as an illustration on what not to do. And so let's, can we take a quick look? I've always been fascinated by this. A quick stroll through um, the history of Israel's complaining. And so if you would with me flip over to Exodus uh, chapter... 14, um, I had the advantage of, of having it bookmarked here, but um, Exodus chapter 14, we're going to hit Exodus, we're just going to go through a few chapters and hit a couple of verses to kind of see, he's referring, so Paul is referring to what happened with um, Israel, let's see what they did. Exodus chapter 14, um, they are let go after all the ten plagues and all of that. They're finally let go by Pharaoh and they go to flee. Um, They get to the Red Sea, so now they're backed up against the Red Sea. Pharaoh changes his mind. He comes after them with his army. So they're kind of back between the Red Sea and Pharaoh's army. God already did all these miracles. They've already seen God move, all these promises by God, but this is how they responded. Exodus 14.10 says, when Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, it is because, is it because there is no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us to bring us out of Egypt? Is it not what we said to you in Egypt, leave us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. So the first kind of complaint here is they're grumbling that things aren't looking so good right here at the Red Sea. But then as you know, the Red Sea opens. They get through the Red Sea on dry ground. On the other side, Pharaoh's army gets swallowed up in the Red Sea, and God saved them. Wow, miracle. But then what happens is um, 
as they're on their journey, they come across a little uh, body of water, and it's bitter, it's undrinkable. So then they get to complaining. Exodus 15, uh, Exodus 15, verse 24. You there? You following along? Exodus 15, verse 24 says, And the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? So now they're grumbling that the, the water's bitter. And of course, the Lord, through Moses, causes the water to become clear and, and fresh and drinkable, and He provides. Uh, in Exodus 17, 3, they're grumbling about water again. They say, um, But the people thirsted there for water, and the people grumbled against Moses and said, Why did you bring us up out of Egypt? Kill us and take our children and livestock with thirst? Now they're grumbling that they're thirsty, and of course the Lord provides water for them. And then if you're in chapter 16 now, chapter 16, verse 3, um, now they're running out of food, and they're beginning to complain about that. Exodus 16, 3, And the people of Israel said to them, uh, Would that we have died at the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the meat pots and ate breads, uh, bread to the full, you have brought us out into the wilderness to kill the whole assembly with hunger? Okay, so they've complained about the army. God got them through that. They complained about water. God gave them water. They complained about food, and then God provided food for them through the manna. Uh, and then that wasn't even enough. So later on in, uh, in Numbers, if you want to flip over to Numbers, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, chapter 11, um, and in Numbers chapter 11, so now the, the food isn't even enough. Now they want particular types of food. They're wanting meat. Numbers 11, verse 4. Now the rabble that was among them had a strong craving. And the people of Israel also wept again and said, Oh, that we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt that cost nothing, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, the garlic. But now our strength is dried up and there is nothing at all but this manna to look at. Remember, manna was a miracle. Provision from the, now they're grumbling about that. So, grumbling about meat and then uh, kind of the straw that broke the camel's back is in Numbers chapter 14. Numbers chapter 14, they... Um, get to the edge of the promised land. Um, Moses sends in 12 spies. Ten of the spies come back afraid to go in because of the people there. Uh, two of the spies, Caleb and Joshua, come back saying, God's with us, we can take them. But the report, the bad report, remember how bad news spreads faster than good news? The bad report of the ten spies spread uh, like cancer in the people of Israel. And so they began to grumble, thinking that they were going to be killed. Numbers chapter 14, verse 1 through 3 says, Then all the congregation raised a loud cry, and the people wept that night. And all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation said to them, Would that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would that we had uh, died in this wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become prey. Would not it be better for us back in Egypt? Wow. So now um, they're complaining that they don't believe God can take them into the promised land that he has promised 
to them and um, this grumbling. It was just this the pattern of grumbling over and over and over and over, no matter how much God provided for them. And so there's some lessons that we can learn about grumbling from these people. I hope you're still with us. How, title of the message, how do we quit complaining? How do we quit complaining? Here's a few things. Um, The first thing is that we got to see it for what it really is. How are we going to quit grumbling and complaining? We got to understand the severity of what it really is. And uh, a few sub points from that is that here's it. God takes grumbling personal. God takes grumbling personal. You know, he hears our complaints. Look at, look at in verse uh, Exodus, Exodus chapter 16, verse 7. And in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord because he has heard your grumble, your grumbling against the Lord. For what, we, what are we that you grumble against us? And Moses said, When the Lord gives you in the evening meat to eat and in the morning bread to the full because the Lord has heard your grumbling that you grumble against him, what are we? Your grumbling is not against us, but against the Lord. And so they're grumbling against Moses, and Moses is like, no, 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 you're not grumbling against me. You're grumbling against the Lord. The thing is that whenever we grumble, whenever we complain about things that are happening in life, we think we're complaining about that thing. But God takes it personally. He, he takes it as you are not grateful for what he has given you. You're not satisfied with what he's given you and you're grumbling about it. So he hears it and he takes it personally. You might think that you're grumbling to yourself. Maybe you're not voicing it to anyone. You're just grumbling in your own spirit, in your own self. But here's the thing that God hears it. He hears it. Have you ever been talking about someone and they enter the room? You could even be talking like good things about them, but when they enter the room, it just kind of gets awkward. It's like, man, we were just talking about you. It's kind of it's awkward. God forbid you're, you're speaking poorly of that person or complaining about that person and they walk in. Because here's the thing, you go, did they hear me? Did they, did they hear what I said about them? And I know I've never really truly experienced that, but I've heard of people experiencing that and Lord, forgive us. Um, but, but here's the thing. God hears. God hears. And he takes it personally. And um, so think about that thing that you're complaining about. Uh, second thing is that, this is going to be a quick point, is that grumbling mutes the voice of God. Grumbling mutes the voice of God. Um, Psalm 106, 25 says they murmured in their tents. Okay, where are they murmuring? In their tents. They're thinking no one's listening, but God's listening. They murmured in their tents and did not obey the voice of the Lord. Other translations say they did not listen to the voice of the Lord, but either way, it's this idea that whenever we grumble, it mutes the voice of God. Two people can't be talking at once. I don't know about you, but I'm kind of like a, whenever I'm watching TV, uh, I am honed in on the program. I'm like honed in, like blocking out everything else going around. I, th- I don't know if it's like a man thing or if it's, a, it's something in me, uh, if it's that I, I grew up in a house with eight brothers, seven brothers and sisters. And so if you want to watch TV, you kind of had to get rid of all the other distraction. Either way, 
if my wife Cammy wants to have a conversation with me, she knows she's got to get my attention. Lord, forgive me. She's got to get my attention. And then, and then many times I either have to pause the TV because I'll be distracted by it or I'll mute it. OK, but either way, two, you can't two people can't be talking at once. And so whenever you're honed into the voice of God, our grumbling, our complaining, it actually hits the mute button on the voice of God because we're distracted by our grumbling, our negativity. And so you might be like, man, I'm not feel, I don't feel like I'm hearing the voice of God in my life right now. Maybe it's because you've been grumbling and complaining. Here's another thing. Uh, grumbling is a symptom of idolatry. Whoa, that's... A, that's pretty strong language there. Grumbling is a symptom of idolatry. Well, if you go back to uh, 1 Corinthians 14, and uh, in, in 1 Corinthians 14, uh, I'm sorry, 10, verse 14, where he says, Therefore, so he, he tells you, don't grumble like they did. They were destroyed. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. Idolatry. So it seems like he's connecting this grumbling thing and these other things in this list, but grumbling as a form of idolatry. Now, I think in our culture, we kind of think of, well, we don't worship idols. Idols are those little statues that people bow down in front of and worship and burn incense to and all that kind of stuff. But here's the thing. We still have idols. Idols are anything that we put above God, anything that we worship in place of God. And there's plenty of those things in our lives. I was um, uh, thinking about a couple, you know, idol, the idolatry is the root, is the thing. Grumbling is the fruit of idolatry. Luke 6, um, 45 says, For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so what he's saying is, is whatever is inside of you is going to come outside of you, out, out of you through your words. And um, you ever said something, well, I didn't mean to say that. It, th that really wasn't in me. Well, yes, it was in you or it wouldn't have come out of you. It's this idea of a water bottle. And if you have water in the water bottle, when you squeeze it, whatever is in it is going to come out of it. And so whenever you are squeezed, whatever is in is going to come out. And right now, just as a society, as a, as a country, as a world, we're being squeezed by this trial, and whatever's in is going to come out. Just a symptom of idolatry. Um, I, I was thinking about some of the idols that we struggle with as a culture. One is the idol of normal. So happening right now, the idol of normal. The I want to get back to normal. Maybe you've said that. That's kind of been a, a longing of mine is, you know, I'm, I'm ready to get back to things as they were. I want to reopen everything. And it's not necessarily a bad desire to get to get rid of all this stuff that's happening and get back to life. But the idol of normal, that's what the Israelites were crying. As we just read, like, like the survey of their complaints, what did they what did they keep saying? It was better for us in Egypt. We had better food in Egypt. We were treated better in Egypt. We could have died back in Egypt. They just kept referring back to their old normal. They were living in the what used to be. Oh, I miss the good old days. But for them, the good old days weren't that great. They, they, were, they were slaves. 
They were in slavery, and God freed them. And then they were referring, man, I just wish that we could get back to normal. I just wish we could go back to how things were. They forgot that the wilderness was not the destination, that it was just a season on the way to the promise that God had for them. And we've got to remember that, that this is, this is just a season. And God is bringing us into something better, I truly believe. And um, we always want to get back to normal and kind of uh, idolize what used to be. But let me just ask you, like, what if God wasn't happy with our old normal? What if he allowed this to happen because he wanted to shake us out of our apathy? If he wanted to shake us out of our normal and bring us into something better. And so maybe we can um, quit idolizing what used to be because what used to be wasn't perfect and be thinking about in this season what is God wanting to change in how we live as we move forward maybe give us a new normal Um, what idol is God wanting to reveal in my life before bringing me back to a new normal. You know, the the wilderness season for the Israelites weren't just to get them out of Egypt, but it was to get Egypt out of them. God brought them through a season of wilderness because they grew grew up around the idolatry of the Egyptians and the the, uh, systems and the ways of the Egyptians, and he wanted to get them out of that mindset and into a mindset of being the people of God. And so maybe God's using this season in our life, a wilderness, if you will, to get these idols out of our life. And so let's not idolize normal. Here's another one, the idol of self. The idol of self. Um, Here's the thing. Um, Complaining is the verbal expression of a heart that believes it deserves better than it is getting. Just think about that. Um, Why do we complain? A lot of it is rooted in the fact that I deserve better. Like the idol of self gets in my way. I deserve better. I deserve better service at the restaurant. So I'm not going to tip. I deserve better service. They don't deserve my tip. I deserve better pay. And so I'm going to quit and go somewhere else. I deserve better internet, right? And so I'm going to, I don't know what you're going to do. If you're like me, we're stuck with what we have. But we have this, I deserve better. And you know, there used to be a time without internet. Internet is just an amazing thing. Anyways, let's not go off that trap trail. I deserve a better phone, right? And so let me get rid of this whole thing. And I deserve a better, I deserve better food. And so I'm going to complain about the type of food that I'm having to eat. I deserve a better sermon. So I'm going to click away and <laughs> watch something else, you know. We have this feeling of I deserve better. And I think if you start to think and notice that when you complain, your complaint is rooted in I deserve better. Personally, I find myself complaining uh, when plans change uh, without my permission. 
when my plans change without my permission. And so it's like if I have my day planned and I want to wake up and I want to do this and then do that and then get this done and I'm going to meet with this person and come over here and, and I have a plan for my day. And then when I wake up and things go completely different than what I had planned. All of a sudden you get a call, you get a text, and, and now you're going to this thing and you're helping this person and all those things are, are not bad and they're even good. Um, but that stirs in me, you know, some grumbling. And I've got to be quick to see, hey, God is the leader of my life. God is the leader of my life. And so although I put plans together and that's a good thing to plan your life, I've got to submit those plans to the Lord, and if He chooses to, to mix those up, I've got to go along with that and uh, not complain about it, not grumble about it. I know whenever um, many of us in the office here, when the office was running like normal, complain about the printer, right? The printer's acting up, the computer's acting up, it's not printing, it printed on the wrong side, it printed in the wrong color, it's not printing at all, it's disconnected, now it's reconnected, and, you know, it's easy to complain because we deserve a better printer, right? <laughs> So we have the idol of self where we complain because we deserve better. I kind of wonder, like, what do we really deserve? You know, the Bible says that the wages of sin is death, and we're all sinners. So what do we really deserve? We deserve death. So anything above that is just good. It's just extra. It's just beautiful. I do want to say this, that if you are in an abusive relationship please get help I just feel the spirit leading me to share this that I don't want if you're an abusive toxic relationship I do not want you to take this as an encouragement for you to stay with your abuser um, no get help all right and reach out to us and we will help you okay um, so you, you do need to get in a healthy place. But for the most part, generally, most of us have this I deserve better attitude. Here's the thing. Um, complaining kills contentment. Complaining kills contentment because it, reve it reveals my ingratitude. Um, see, uh, you can't complain and be grateful at the same time. It's just not possible. And so my complaining, uh, God wants us to be content and satisfied in Him and grateful, but it kills that. It's kind of like if you have kids, you ever had a kid ask for um, a drink? And it's like, Mommy, Mommy, Daddy, Daddy, give me a drink. I need a drink. I'm thirsty. I'm thirsty. And so you give them water. I don't want that. Okay, and then you go and grab some uh, juice, and I don't want that. And then you go and get some milk. I don't, I don't want that. And then you go and get some uh, chocolate milk. And I, I don't want that. I don't want that. It's like, I'm thirsty. I don't. And, and no matter what you give them, they're not quite happy with it. And then all of a sudden they grab your soda and they start drinking your soda. But then the, the carbonation in your soda kind of burns their throat a little bit. So then they whine about the drink that they stole from you. What is that? It's like, it's like this little person is just this ingratitude. You're giving them everything, trying to make them uh, satisfied, and they're just not grateful, unsatisfied, uncontent. And that's kind of how we are with God many times. He just gives us so many good things and blesses us beyond what we deserve, and we're just ungrateful for it, and we complain 
about everything. Um, complaining is focusing on what you don't have instead of what you do have. See, they focused, Israel, they focused on what they didn't have. They focused on we don't have bread, and they gave, God gave them bread, and we don't, have, we don't have meat, and we don't have security, and we don't have comfort, and they complained about all the things that they didn't have instead of remembering all that they did have. Like, let's think about some things that they did have. They did have food. God gave them food and meat and water. They had clothes. You know, the Bible says in Deuteronomy 29, the Bible says that their clothes and their shoes did not wear out. They were in the desert for 40 years, and their clothes and their shoes did not wear out. That's a miracle provision of the Lord. So they had clothes. They had shelter. They had family. They had freedom. God freed them from their slavery. They had God's promise to go into the promised land. They had God's presence. Like they had the manifest presence of God leading them, a pillar of cloud by day, a pillar of fire by night. They had the presence of God. But they took their eyes off of what they did have and put it on what they didn't have and grumbled and complained about it. Well, um, here's the next thing. Uh, grumbling invites judgment, not blessing. So, so grumbling is a symptom of our idolatry, and idolatry, this, it, it invites judgment. Here's a, here's a little math equation for you. Simple math, okay? Um, my grumbling plus God's hearing equals God's anger. My grumbling uh, plus God's hearing equals God's anger. You don't believe me? Let's look at Numbers uh, chapter 11, uh, verse 1. Numbers chapter 11, verse 1 says, And the people complained in the hearing of the Lord about their misfortunes. And when the Lord heard it, his anger was kindling, was kindled. So you see that? The, they complained, he heard, his anger was kindled, and the fire of the Lord burned among them and consumed some outlying parts of the camp. Ah, wow, God really takes this grumbling thing seriously. But that's the Old Testament God, right? The New Testament God, he's not like that, right? Well, I, I think God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, right? He never changes. But let's jump to the New Testament and see if there's anything in the New Testament that says anything about this. So if we go back to our text in 1 Corinthians, I know that we're jumping around, but I think it'll be helpful. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, uh, verse 6 says, Now these things took place, all that we just read, took place as an example for us that we might not desire evil as they did. So what happened to them was an example to us. Uh, our complaining, God's hearing equals God's anger. Verse 11 says, Now these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of age has come. So they're definitely for our instruction and we're to receive uh, heed from them. If you jump to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26, you'll see this. It says, For if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, 
there's no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the evidence of two or three witnesses. How much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and was outraged by the Spirit of grace? What he's saying here is, don't, if you're using the excuse of, oh, Jesus' grace and Jesus paid for that and he absorbed the wrath of God, and amen, amen, he did that, okay? But if you're using that as an excuse to continue in your grumbling and in your complaining, he's saying, that's not smart. Because if you go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains sin for, uh, a sacrifice for sin for you. James 5, 9 book of James 5, 9 says, Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. Don't grumble or you'll be judged. Grumbling invites judgment into our lives. Complaining prolongs our pain. Pro complaining prolongs our pain. Look, think about it. They were in the wilderness, supposed to be a season, and they spent more and more time in that season because of their grumbling. Ultimately, they died in that season because of their grumbling. We have pain on the outside, the circumstances, the trials, and we bring the pain inside when we decide to grumble. It internalizes the pain. Something happens to me, and then I bring that negativity inside my soul by grumbling. The Israelites died because of their murmuring. Deuteronomy 1 verse 34 says, And the Lord heard your words and was angered. He heard their grumbling and was angered. And he swore, Not one of these men of this evil generation shall see the good land I swore to give your fathers. He was planning on bringing them into the promised land but because of their grumbling and complaining, he allowed them not to see the promise of God, but to die in the wilderness. I just want to point out that this is the most severe that God has ever been with his people in the entire Bible. This is the most severe punishment that he puts on his own people in the entire Bible. And it is because of complaining and grumbling. Something that we take so lightly and we think is not a big deal, God takes very seriously and personally and um, it brings judgment into our life. And here's the thing, you, you might not, I, I'm not saying if you complain or if you grumble, we all struggle in many ways that you're not saved. I'm not saying that, I'm not saying that. But there could be a spiritual wilderness that you enter into because of your grumbling attitude. So you might be a, the people of God, you might be a child of God, but you experience a wilderness season spiritually because you, of your grumbling and your complaining. All right, are you still here? Okay, so here, here we go. So that, you got to see it for what it really is. And then how do we quit complaining? Here's a few Last two things. 
Um, repent. Repent. Okay. Repent. Repent means to turn from it. Um, if, if it is idolatry, if God hates it, if his anger is towards it, we need to repent of it. Um, I like to say uh, uh, that uh, repentance is not a place that uh, Christians visit, but it's where we live. We need to live a life of repentance. Numbers 11, verse 2. Numbers 11, back to it. Then the people cried out to Moses, and Moses prayed to the Lord, and the fire died down. They repented, they turned, they're like, God, sorry, and the fire died down. Uh, 1 Corinthians 11, verse 14 says, Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. Flee from it. Repent of it. Get out. Get rid of it. Get out of it. Get away from it. Repent of it. Turn. Say, God, you're right. This is wrong. I'm going to turn from it and go a different way. So let's repent of it. Um, what idols do you need to repent of? Maybe it's the idol of normal. Maybe it's the idol of self. Maybe it's something that's manifesting itself as complaining. Uh, third thing, last thing, is this. Um, commit to kill complaining. Here, here, here's the key word. Commit. We're going to commit to it. Um, we're going to commit to think and behave biblically about this topic. Think and behave biblically about it. Uh, Chuck Swindoll said this, Life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you react to it. 10% what's happening to you, 90% how you react to it. I think that's true. Philippians 2.14 says, Do all things, all things without grumbling or disputing. 1 Peter 4.9 says, Show hospitality without grumbling. 1 Th Timothy 2.8 says, I desire then that in every place men should pray, uh, lifting up holy hands without anger or quarreling, without grumbling. Philippians 4.8. Okay, so let's not grumble. And then what do we do? Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. So we not grumble, we don't complain, we don't think about negative things, we set our minds on things that are praiseworthy. I can't control, here's a, key, here's a key point here, I can't control what happens to me, but I can control what happens in me. Let me say that again. I can't control what happens to me, the circumstances of life, but I can control what happens in me, my attitude towards it. So what do we need to do? We need to replace grumbling with gratitude. Replace grumbling with gratitude. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Give thanks in what? All circumstances. No matter what's happening to me, what should happen in me is gratitude. The problem is it's always easier to find fault than it is to proclaim praise. It's easy to find fault. Anybody can do that. But we need to be people who proclaim praise. We must be people of praise and thanksgiving. So here, here's some just practical things that have been helpful for me is, um, is when people ask, how are you doing? How are you doing? Maybe just respond with, um, I am blessed. I am blessed. I love Dave Ramsey's, the kind of response that he has uh, coined um, whenever he People ask him, how are you? He says, I am doing better than I deserve. That is wonderful. 
That is wonderful. That's how, that should be our attitude. How are you doing? I'm doing better than I deserve. I've kind of adopted that a little bit. And as people ask me, how are you doing? I'm doing, we are doing way better than we deserve. Because we are. We are. Um, and then just go around as you go through your day, as you pray over your food, and just say, we are blessed. Lord, we are so blessed. You've blessed us so much. You've given us shelter. You've given us a house. You've provided food for us. God, you've provided relationships and family for us. And I'm sure you can find something in your life that you can be thankful for and just tell God, Lord, I'm so blessed. I'm so blessed. Thank you, Lord. And then finally, we need to move from complaining to compassion. Complaining to compassion. Instead of focusing on my misfortune, maybe I need to ask someone else how they are doing. Instead of complaining and focusing on my misfortune, I need to ask somebody else how they're doing. How are you doing? And just listen and help if you can. Take my eyes off myself and put it on someone else. All right, so I really hope, I think life is going to be better if we get rid of this neg negative attitude and we quit complaining and we replace grumbling with gratitude and we commit to living and thinking biblically. I just wonder what would it look like? What would the dinner table look like if we committed to quit complaining? What would um, your relationship with your boss look like if you stopped complaining? What would social media look like? Whoa! What would social media look like if we quit complaining? What would, um, what would my level of empathy look like? if I move from grumbling to gratitude? What would my soul feel like? What refreshment would it be if I moved from grumbling to gratitude? And I, that's my prayer for you today. And I thank you for um, hanging in here for this. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for our time in your word. And Lord, I know it was a lot, lot of scripture today, but I pray that we would see clearly uh, the consequences for our grumbling, how seriously you take it, how damaging it is to our souls and our relationships. And Lord, I pray we'd be people right now as we can all say <laughs> we have grumbled. I pray that we would all repent, turn from it, turn from you. And I pray that we'd commit to moving from grumbling to gratitude, to thinking and living uh, biblically about this, God. So help us by the power of your spirit. We can't do this without you. We can't, we can't do it in our own strength. We need you. So I pray that by your spirit, you would help us to be aware of our grumbling and to commit to kill it. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if um, you want to take your next step with God in your walk with God uh, for, for any reason, maybe your first time committing your life to Christ, or you need prayer, you want to find your place to serve, or any of those things, uh, just go fill out our online connect card, bodytyler.com slash connect, and we'd love to help you follow up uh, and, and, and take your next step with, with God.